I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. Hope everybody's doing well today. I want to welcome everybody to the Unimpressed podcast. And today we have comedian Gary Cargill on the Unimpressed podcast. And Gary has done the show before when we were in Nashville, when we were mobile and starting out with Mr. Matt Wonderly at the Wing Place. What was that Wing Place down there in Nashville? Uh, Party Foul. Party Foul. Party Foul. We had Carolyn the Baptist and my son Kirby with us. That's right. I remember that. That's right. We had some really good chicken, best I remember. Yeah, the chicken was pretty good. Do you eat some chicken, Gary? I've I've been known to eat some fire. Really? What is your, Gary, and I know you do a lot of cooking videos and so forth, so what's your favorite food? Uh, You know, the best place for food is my mouth, I think. If I got to pick one, barbecue. Barbecue. But I love some Mexican food, and I love some Chinese, and I love some country food. Chicken fried steak, that sort of thing, I mean, I... I don't get much of it. You know, I'm a married Yankee girl. You, I don't know if I consider Minneapolis, it's, or Minnesota, I don't consider Minnesota a Yankee. Well, them folks where I grew up did. Oh, they did? Well, yeah. everything north of Kentucky, you know, right there, to, right, right there at the Ohio River, everything north of that, Yankee territory. Oh, okay. Not that matters. Either. I mean, but that was a, listen, I'm giving my age, but when I was a kid, that was that was a big thing, that, that there was Yankees and there was us, you know, Southerners. Mm-hmm. Stereotype. And, and they're still big around some people. I have a different ideology about that. Okay. Guess what do you think that is? That there is no difference between people. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, I feel the same way because uh, yeah. I've seen America. Yeah. I haven't seen the world so much that I've seen America. There's more difference in a city girl and a country boy yeah. than there is if that state happens to be Minnesota or Alabama. Mm-hmm. Well, when I had the doctor, I had Dr. Melissa Melanic on the show. She's a clinical psychologist, and we were talking about talking about people and stereotypes. She's from the North as well, and Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh was... Uh, I think people have the same sensitivities, right? But I will say this. There is a percentage makeup on what that person is but when they're born they still have similar sensitivities to everybody that comes into this world right and i think somewhat you're driven environmentally and that percentage makeup you know of who you are you are going to respond to things a little differently but i think that your environment drives you down the road and creates who you become in life and I, you know it's just like a conversation we had the other day i don't see why people don't recognize that and while we still have such strong stereotypes. I think it's as simple as when you get up in the morning and you go pick out something to wear that day, you're going to decide right then when you're going through your wardrobe and your makeup and your hair, you know, when you're getting dressed for the day, I think that that's when you decide who you're going to be that day. And as far as the whole Yankee stereotype, Joe Namath really kicked the door in on that for us down in Alabama, you know, when he came down from Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, Joe came played for Alabama, and of course everything else is past Joe Namath at Alabama's pretty good history, you know? Mm-hmm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I really think that the sports that the sports people are great in that's why I love sports. It's a great influence. Hank Aaron did a lot for the for the race cultures, you know? Mm-hmm. I loved Hank Aaron. I was pulling for him to break Babe Ruth's record, and I remember when that was a, when that was a big deal around the South. When you say South or North, the North is just as bad. You know, it's like they have a a pre a, they have a preconception. <laughs> worse, according to who you ask. You well, know? they they have a preconception of what Southern people are well, like. Exactly, because I think, and we watched them the other night. We were just chilling out down here in the. In the luxury suite at Bang Productions, you know, it was nice mm-hmm. enough. But we're just, and we're watching what I think gave the Southerners to the rest of the world a conception that we were all idiots. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that the Beverly Hillbillies had a lot to do with that. Hollywood has never done the South right. In my opinion, they've never really hit it on the head per se, you know, and I, you know, I don't know if they don't want to want to present that narrative or whatever it is, but I don't, I've never seen anything that really emulates the South to a T. Oh, no, 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 not to a T. Well, I got one. Yeah. Steel Magnolias. Okay. Perhaps uh, fried green tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. Those two. That's no Let's good. look at Steel Magnolias, right? Steel Magnolias. And yeah, it was a big Southern movie, but I want to look at the cast. We had... You had Dolly Parton, right? She was in the movie. You had Sally Field. Where was Sally Field from? God, I don't know. Uh, Burt Reynolds picked her up just outside Arkansas there in Smokey and the Bandit. Is that where he's picked up? Where does she say she's from? Now, Sally is from born and raised. Where was she born and raised? It says from Pasadena, California. Okay. All right. So Sally wasn't a Southern girl. Dolly was a Southern girl. Shirley MacLaine. Let's see what she's she's Richmond, Virginia. Okay, well that's kind of okay. Uh, Daryl Hannah, Chicago. She's not a Southern girl. I, I never once held that against her. <laughs> she's beautiful. Olympia Dukakis, New York City. She was in there, and then Julia Roberts. I'm pretty Smear, sure she's Julia Georgia Roberts. Girl. Yes, yeah. Smyrna, Georgia. Julia Roberts, Smyrna, Georgia. So you had two Southern girls, real Southern girls, and a half Southern girl in Richmond. Well, I think Richmond's emul- Southern. I mean, everything north of that's not. Yeah. But, but Richmond. To emulate a Southern movie, and still Magnolias was your go-to. Uh, well, I'm just you got one. That- Sums it up any better and still. I don't think there is one. I don't either. Because uh, I've tried to make them. There was that one uh, in the gar- Garden of Good Needle that they shot in Savannah. That yeah. was that was pretty close, but I don't think it was. It didn't ever get the views. Kevin Spacey, that right? Still Magnolia's got, but but it was pretty pretty spot on about Southern culture. I think your go to, and you're talking about the South. I think somewhat we represent 
a Southern voice. And where do we find that Southern voice in entertainment? Where do we really have a Southern voice in entertainment right now outside of our circle? Well, just country music coming out of Nashville is the biggest thing. Yeah. And some of that's authentic. You know, some of that may be. I mean, it don't, it, it don't matter to me if a country music singer comes from New York City if he's good. One of my favorites was Jerry Jeff Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, and a lot of people don't even know who he is. But at the end of the year, Spotify sends you a thing telling you what percentage of you know people that you that you like. I was in the top one-tenth of a percent of Jerry Jeff Walker fans. A lot of people don't. He wrote Mr. Bojangles. Okay. He uh, he's the first guy that took Jimmy Buffett to Key West, Florida. Jerry Jeff Walker is the guy that bought Luke and Bach, Texas, and had Waylon and Willie come down. But a lot of people don't know who Jerry Jeff is. I love him, but his quote was because he's born in New York, mm-hmm. not a city, but out in the country, New York. <laughs> he used to tell him, "I got here as quick as I could." You know, I'm I wasn't born in Texas, but I came as quick as I could. Yeah, and and, and I think because he was. Now he was red dirt. Was he red dirt? I'm not even sure what that means. Now, well, that's well, I, well, I didn't know. We, I didn't know any about red dirt until I met Tough. Well, no, I mean, it's I more get, of a rock but, and roll country type of music. Well, no, we used to call that. Uh, what, what, what was the name? It was uh, rockabilly. 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 They used to call, uh, but Bobby Bear and Elvis back in the day, and uh, you know, it was rockabilly country. I mean, it was rockabilly. Hillbilly rocks, what or you know, rockabilly, right? Is now no, now, now, and now the words know. red dirt. That's below my age level. You're what? <laughs> That's below my age level. Your age level? Yeah, I don't. I'm not technologically efficient enough to pick up on. And I think that's what it means. But no, Jerry Jeff was the he was the outlaw country guy. Mm-hmm. That, that's you know that got to be a big thing, and that was that was Jerry Jeff's buying Luke and Bach making a recording studio down there. And doing a lot of basically what you're Jerry doing. Jeff Jerry Jeff Walker. Jerry Jeff Walker. You Co- COVID finally got him. Really? Well, anytime yeah. you die. Jerry Jeff Walker, American country folk singer. Country music and folk singer. Interesting. He's kind of like, um, he's from Anita. Well, you know, I, I will say this, that it says one Anta, one Anta, one Anta. He was from one Anta, New York. And... Being from one aunt in New York, there's more rednecks up there. My point exactly. Than there is somewhere down here in the South. So, hey, but so you take that, right? You take that scenario. It's really not, that's why, I guess that's to my point. If you take that scenario, people try to create stereotypes on a geo, you know, geographical area. And it's because not geographical. Because that's the easy thing to do. Yeah. And it's one more. To me, it's one more box the government can put us in to separate us and keep us voting for two parties instead of eight parties. Or I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I hadn't heard one in a long time. I didn't believe now. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, these stereotypes are not in a geographic area. You know, they're environmentally driven, I right? So. In an area which an environment could be in the north. That could be country similar, right? So you get so if you're country, exactly. if you're somewhat redneck country, living outside of a metro area, you get a pass, yeah. right? Because you grew up in New York. Yeah, exactly. You know exactly. what I'm saying? You're not like them hillbillies down there in Tennessee. You know? Yeah. Nobody's uh, ever thought about that. Uh, yeah. 
But so even if you just identify as a Southerner, y'all, we're on your side. Yeah. And it don't matter. It's it, it's all at the end of the day. It's what you chose to. It's who you chose to be that day. Really, it's who you choose to be every day. Well, Gary, who do you choose to be every day? I try to just uh, be the laid back, laid back guy that just watches stuff and smiles. You know, have an occasional funny thought about things and and just try to be a good dude and hang out with my friends and my family. You know. Well, what you asked me about if your eyes are red? Why are your eyes red, Gary? Because uh, they, you know, I smoke. I think I'm allergic to cigarettes. Oh, really? Allergies? Yeah. Your allergies are yeah. acting up. I think that's. Uh, I think that's one thing. And then uh, some of those cigarettes make them turn red too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I didn't smoke for 25 years. While you know, when I when Daddy had to get a job and, and we had to have insurance and put Mama through college and all that. But but when I retired, I went back to my first love. Mm-hmm. Rolling one up. Rolling one up. So you didn't smoke weed for 25 years? Well, yeah, because, you, you know, we got tested and everything when I was, like, had a job. He had, you know, they had to keep a job. Mm-hmm. So even as unfair as I don't think it is that somebody can test you at work for something that you might have been involved in in the weekend, I, I really, that really gets down to my free where it makes my freedom alert go off that that perhaps that just government that we the people run might be a little overreaching when it comes to what they think they can tell you to do on the weekends you know you know who criminalized i think and I'm, i have to check that uh is joe kennedy well you know, because he's the one that you know i think through prohibition and all that is one able to uh able to country to start selling uh alcohol Right, so they didn't want anything else out there that was somewhat um, a sedative, right? That they couldn't sell uh, or control, and I think that's where that started. I'm pretty sure what we see in the old medicine show movies that we used to see in the western ain't always been some guy coming around with a with you know with a cures all, and they used to make fun of him in those movies. Mm-hmm. But going back and looking at it now. It was mostly it was mostly can oil, you know. I mean, it was the oil with marijuana in it that probably did cure a lot of things. It, it probably was one bottle of it cured most anything you had. Now, can oil had THC. Canna, C A N N I, C A N N I, oil, can oil, can oil had THC in it, mm-hmm. and that was when. Well, I mean, they still make it today. That's where you. Gummies come from, and you have to take the take the marijuana, and they make an oil out of it, and then mm-hmm. they infuse that into brownies or food or butter. You put it in butter, you just put it on anything, hmm. but you make an oil out of it, yeah, out of it, and then when it comes back down, then then it's got the THC in it, and you put it in your food. I think if you look at those things in history, usually those things are you know money motivated, right? Without a doubt, I mean it, it's in the verse and chapter. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I do know that the cannabinoids appears in the Bible like three times. If they make the that's one thing the the recipe for the holy oil is made out of, mm-hmm. and uh, so so that's how that's how far it goes back. Is it's actually in Genesis? I'm sure of that at least once, but I'm not, I know it's in there. Three the holy times. oil. What was the holy oil? The holy anointing oil, one of the ingredients in that is... Uh, what did you do with it? Well, I don't know. You just drank it? I mean, I, 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 I'm not even old enough to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
it was uh, that they rubbed it on the back of the neck, probably, is what I'm, the way it was explained to me. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I, I'm just impressed that marijuana is in the Bible yeah. in a positive light. Well, I don't see why it wouldn't be. Well, exactly. And yeah. now you come up to a, to a country where, you know, what I call felony farming will get you put in, you know, put in prison. We have legalized <laughs> drug dealers as the pharmaceutical companies. And then we have, you know, drug dealers who are not operating how they're supposed to operate, right? The illegal ones, right? right? It's, it's the same. To me, it's the same thing. We're not playing around on this podcast today, or we're getting some truth, ain't we, John? Yeah, we're getting some truth. Well, just figured we'd dig in deep in something that could be relatable to you. That, that, it is relatable to me, and I—it's I, I, not that there's no humor in it, but it's—it's it's a sad thing that that these people in prison in this country still to this day for something that they could grow in the backyard, and it's really—if you don't own the backyard, it really ain't none of your business what they're doing. Well, a lot of—I learned something new too. Is like, you know, teas and chocolates, right? Uh-huh. Were a big British influence, right? That's why all the teas and, and the chocolates we have in America now had a very, very strong British influence, and that's what is known. But what I found out is that in this area right here, there's called a, uh, a Yoko Olo plant, the Yoko Olo tea. Right, okay. and this was a tea that was prevalent in this area of the country, right? And it grows like in a holly bush, right? And that's something we're not aware of. But what they're saying is this is the this was the number one tea that the natives used from the Outer Banks all the way down to Florida, right? Uh-huh. Back in the day, before the British influence came over and. And gave their, you know, put their teas in the country and so forth. So we have those things that uh, may not be legal, like, say, a marijuana or whatever. We have things like teas that we don't utilize today, right, because we don't know about it. You know, we've only known, we have only known this is where the things come to gospel and you only think there's a certain type of tea, but there's tea right here growing in our backyard, and we don't we don't even do anything with it, but I think there's somewhat of a resurgence for things like that. Oh, big, uh, big resurgence for if you want to sell something, write the words non-GMO, uh, gluten-free, uh, organic, and put that on their sales. I mean, and now they can go back and raise the prices on you know stuff anymore. So I, who knows? I, as far as I'm concerned. There wasn't a mistake that the that the Tea Party people in Boston, when they got tired of King George, that they went and found one of those tea ships and threw that tea into the yeah. harbor. I mean, so uh, there you go, America. Now the Boston Tea Party was that uh, was that if you think about that and you think about, I mean, I don't want to offend anybody, but if you think about that. You know, Boston Tea Party, right? Like, how many people died in that fight? I don't think there was any. Nobody died? No, no, the Boston, the massacre. Oh, that's right. I'm getting them mixed up. So, Boston Tea Party. The the Tea Party was basically a bunch of vandals that went out and just threw the tea that that they didn't want to pay the tax on in the harbor. Well, we had tea sitting right here. We didn't need the tea. Well, but. You know what I mean? But the king. Maybe that's propaganda. But the king didn't get any. But the king didn't get any 
get any money out of that. Well, follow that story. This is something I just thought about. Follow that storyline. We talk about the T, right? First thing is tax. Talking tax, that was the money driven. Thing, right? Money driven. We're going to tax. We're going to put our T in this country, but then we're going to tax that country so we make money. Right. When they already had tea here, we already had plants. Those plants, that Yokoola plant, is more a healthy tea than any tea you could drink that came from Britain. I don't doubt that whatsoever. I'm just saying, but but if you, you'd rather have the, I, they probably bring it in Chinese tea. It'd be my uh-huh. uh my thoughts on that. But maybe you want the Chinese tea if you're willing to pay for it. That's fine. Don't put nobody in jail for drinking that other kind of tea, though. Yeah, yeah. It was taking away anybody's freedom for growing it. But tax was a big word. So there was a pattern. When you go back to why they criminalized marijuana, right? And the Kennedys had, you know, Joe Kennedy had to help push selling alcohol, right? Because it's my understanding that the Kennedys get every tax from every scotch that's brought into this country. Did you realize that? That's that's what I understand. I'm not sure if that, how much truth there is, but that's what I've, I've, I've heard. I've heard the I've heard the same thing. So, and then you put that label on tea, the Boston Tea Party. It's very similar scenario. It's, it's very similar. The deal that that Ashley got it was the reefer madness movement, which which was, was propaganda from from the American government about about how bad marijuana was, and it made. Uh, it made Spanish people. It was where the word is, never was called marijuana till till then in the thirties, and when it was released and uh, as propaganda, it was called marijuana because apparently some Spanish guy killed somebody in in uh, Florida, and they blamed it on. And I'm going to do air quotes now, but reefer madness. Reefer madness. Yeah, and and it caused. It caused white women to want to sleep with black men. Do what? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. No, yeah, I mean, there's reefer madness. I mean, you see it there? I don't. I don't see it. R-E-E-F-E-R madness, M-A-D-D-N-E-S-S. It should pull up a poster. Well, there are different healing elements of that plant, of the cannabis plant, the CBD and, and so forth, that we're utilizing now. I'm so encouraged, though. The, the Supreme Court Justice Clarence, Clarence Thomas recently said, uh, commented that federal ban on marijuana in America, you know, had to, should be done something with because it wasn't right for, for instance, it's legal in Colorado, and I don't know who the most liberal state is. I mean, probably Nevada. California. Maybe California. I don't know. California's like, you can't, you ain't supposed to grow your own, you're supposed to buy theirs. Yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty. So, like, I, I went out there years ago, it was out there. You know, you could buy it off on Sunset Boulevard back in the day. Well, yeah. I mean, it was, a, I guess, since the hippies, but I think it was actually pushed and beefed up from uh, from the Nixon administration because the war protesters was were the hippies, you know. I mean, and they, and, and they were big pot smokers, and they'd be smoking pot at the, at the anti-war rallies. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, why Nixon was so against it and started clamping down on it because it wasn't a big deal. Even on the 37, right along in there, it was, but it wasn't until Nixon until it started being clamped down where these people doing prison time for a joint. And that's just. Well, no, well, Reagan. Remember Reagan? Reagan had the, uh, what, dare. Dare? And Nancy just say no. 
Or just say no. That's what Nancy, that, that was the big big push. Nancy Reagan was just say no. Yeah. That was a big push back in the day. That solved a lot of problems right there if you always just say no. Yeah, I remember that. Well, yeah, how about let's just say no to the government? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like comedy, you know? It's subjective. Exactly. Whoever Whoever's in office, yeah. right? It's subjective. Their decisions are subjective. and may not be best for the people. I'm sure that we have the best government known to man. I really, really believe that. Oh, that's definitely. It's, it's a great country. And we make mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And we overstep our boundaries a lot. Yeah. I don't think that they should have the right to give me a ticket for driving my truck without a seatbelt on. Mm-hmm. I think it, not that you shouldn't. You should. You should drive your truck with your seatbelt on. But you know what? For some reason or another, if you want to, and you paid $60,000 for that truck, and you paid another $1,200 for the tag on that truck, and you pay the... The insurance on that truck, you know, which is ridiculous, too. And now when I drive my truck with gas in it that I had to pay tax on again to go on some roads that y'all been working on for 40 damn years. Oh, you know what that does, don't you? You know what the seatbelt does? If you focus on the seatbelt, you know what that does? Well, it gets it where they can tell you to wear a mask next time. Or it no, gets, <laughs> or no it's, uh, it, it protects the car maker from, from liability. Oh, okay. Right? So if you put the emphasis on the, the seatbelt, obviously everybody needs to wear a seatbelt so they can survive a crash, right? But you put the emphasis on the seatbelt and you're in that car and that car wrecks and you don't have your seatbelt on, guess what? In the court of law, the liability the is, law, not, well, is not of a, there's not a big of a case there. Your liability is a little weakened well, um, for the car manufacturer. I, by, by the way, I am a habitual offender mm-hmm. uh, on the uh, whole seatbelt thing. Three times. Three tickets. I got three tickets for, for not wearing a seatbelt. How much were the tickets? Uh, $50, $60. And it's not like, it's just it's just wrong that they didn't even stop you for such a thing. Mm-hmm. When Alabama passed that law, it's where I was living at the time. It was, oh, well, you can't wear. I mean, we'll never pull you over just for just for not having your seatbelt on. It's going to be an addition to, which, okay, then what's I'm just saying it ain't none of their business. That's all. I ain't saying it ain't a good thing. I ain't saying you shouldn't wear your seatbelt. Please don't misunderstand me on that. Yeah. I'm just saying it ain't up to the government to tell you you got to. So they it's need, a freedom issue to me. But they need to make some money, maybe. I don't know. It's another way I to make money. I think that's exactly it. Yeah, it's another another way to make some money. Um, and it's another reason to have it to where they can just pull you over and stop you for basically what's because they want to. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, you may have a point there. You were, you're in Bremen, Georgia. How far is Bremen, Georgia from Charleston, South Carolina? Uh, somewhere close to 300 miles. Is that far? What yeah. was that? What's that? About five hours. Five hours? What it normally takes me, depending on how traffic is in Atlanta. Yeah. Which they're working on the roads, believe it or not. Yeah. Still. They've been working on the roads in Atlanta for how long? 30 years? I worked there. I actually had a job there. It's mm-hmm. one of my jobs is I worked on the intersection between 75, 85, and 20 right there by what used to be Old Fulton County Stadium. I, I did that job for about maybe a year, year and a half, and I moved on because construction is hard work. The unions in Jersey, when I was in Jersey, they controlled the construction. And those damn things, you know, those jobs would take a dang, you know, People would be born and die before they're finished. You know, what I'm, I'm pretty saying? sure there's people that that's retired off of uh, off of 
one little section of highway out there. You yeah. know, they started when they got out of high school and retired from there. Yeah, they retired. I retired yeah. from I-85. <laughs> yeah. I, you know. Where did you work? I-85. Hey, maybe that's a good bit. Maybe. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're a construction worker or a, a road worker, it'd yeah. be a good bit there. Yeah, well, we might could do a video with it sometime. I'm excited about the new video we did yesterday. And I got on the Gary Cargill t-shirt. What is this? What's your t-shirt? Represent Gary. It's a hundred percent genuine moonshine. The only throat, the original throat sanitizer. My opinion, the only shot you really need. What's that? The moonshine. The moonshine. Shot? It'll knock your head off. It, it, it does, and I don't. I'm sure that if you had enough of it, they can't nothing live in that. I mean, uh, I've I've had some stuff. It's pretty, pretty tough. I, <laughs> Think about moonshines when people get it. It's about like talking about hot chicken. Mm-hmm. You know, hot enough ain't ain't good enough. We got to get some <laughs> that we can't drink that we can't. You know, yeah. I've got. I mean, basically, that's some of it's like Everclear. Yeah, and that's too much. Yeah. Everclear being a pure alcohol kind of thing. I don't. I'd rather have hundred proof as I had hundred ninety proof myself. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think making moonshine is like, you know, like a chef. You know what I'm saying? You got to know what you're doing. And there's somebody else that the government wasn't fair to. What's that? The moonshine boys. Moonshine boys? Yeah. Back in the day? Yeah. There's another one because the prohibition thing hit. Well, that was in the 20s, right along about the same time that the, that the women was trying to get their right to vote. I mean, moonshine did do one decent thing for the South. One good thing for the South. It gave us NASCAR, among other things. Yeah, it gave you NASCAR. Look, Junior Johnson. And there's probably a lot of us that wouldn't be here if it wasn't for too much moonshine that Grandpa and grand, you know, Grandma had. Yeah. I remember hearing my parents talk about my grandparents had a, had a car, which most people didn't, and they'd go out and take the battery out of the out of the truck. It, it was what it was. It wasn't a car. They'd go take the battery out of the truck mm-hmm. and hook up the radio and sit on the front porch with people that drove in so they could listen to the Grand Ole Opry out of Nashville, Tennessee. You know, they could get WSM right, right there in North Alabama back in, especially at night. Really? Yeah. So who knows how much how much moonshine's affected the thing. And and that's another thing. The government really didn't have any right. These good things, I mean, these people died from bad shine back in the days that didn't understand that, yeah. that running it through a – through a radiator with with lead holding it together wasn't exactly the way to make make good uh, moonshine to make quality throat sanitizer. Yeah, you know? yeah. A lot of people. <clears throat> well, talking about moonshine, a lot of people don't know that Wilkes County, right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, where Junior Johnson is from, that's where a lot of the moonshining was, like the real deal moonshine. That's that's where the you know, the, the kind of some roots of NASCAR started with Junior Johnson, and there's a couple other players in that in that circle. And I worked for CBS for eight and a half years doing automobile races, doing sports shows. The biggest thing that I did, a man named Jim Hunter, who I loved to death, ended up being Jim ended up being the vice president at least of NASCAR. From knowing all that old NASCAR stuff, and I dearly, dearly loved NASCAR back in the day when them guys could get out there and race and they. They'd go down to uh, 
I'd go down to Talladega down there. My brother checked me out of school one morning, and we went down to watch Bobby Isaac bust a 200-mile-an-hour mark in his uh, Dodge Daytona. The NASCAR thing with that, I got to know those people. That, that came from one NASCAR, from one moonshine bunch, thinking their car was faster than another moonshine bunch, and somebody had enough say, so well, bring them out, let's, let's take them out Saturday night and race them in front of a crowd. Yeah. And I'm sure that's where that's where American racing came from. Well, you had um, what the era right off after Junior Johnson. What was Richard Petty? That's when NASCAR really took off. Richard's daddy Lee was a three time champion. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, that's how Richard got involved in it. Actually, daddy got daddy got pretty bad wreck, and Richard stepped in to to take care of the family. And and being around him, it was amazing. He's one of the I've seen that man stand and, and sign autographs at at the racetrack while the sun was setting, and his poor family sitting in the sitting in the station wagon waiting on him to go to dinner, and he's still signing autographs for people that's handing him things through the fence or throwing something over the fence where he catches it and throws it back over. American hero Richard Petty is. Yeah, I got his autograph when I was a kid one time. I, I ain't no telling how many Richard Petty autographs that I've got stuck away somewhere. Yeah. And my, my guy back in the day was Harry Gant. Loved Harry. I, I, I got to work on a movie called Stroker Ace with Burt Reynolds. Uh, Burt and Hal Needham owned, Harry owned Gant's the car, car that yeah. Harry drove. And, and then Skull U.S. Tobacco was the was the sponsor of it. And uh, I got to meet a kid named Bobby Bannell, whose daddy was president of Skull, and he worked on Skull Bandit. I wonder where they got the word Bandit from. I wonder. I wonder where that, I wonder where that, <laughs> that came from. That was a pretty from. good call on uh, exactly. Burt Reynolds. It was a great call. Yeah, the Skull Bandit. And it was a very successful car. Yeah, it was. It was. He should have won more races than he did. He was the best number two man in NASCAR. What? I think he had the most seconds in the history of NASCAR, didn't he? I would think probably Richard Petty has the most seconds in NASCAR. I don't know. I know David Pearson and Richard Petty, they won back-to-back like 61 times or something. One of them was one, one of them was two. Yeah. And Pearson edges out. David Pearson edges out Petty by by one race on the whole whole thing, but then of course Richard two hundred wins that won't ever be that won't ever be top yeah. twenty seven in a year ten in a row. I mean, if it's a if it's a record about winning, probably best trivia answer. If you don't know, guess Richard Petty. The next era, I mean, Harry Gant's era was more probably Dale Earnhardt, you know, because Richard was kind of on the tail end. And it was Harry, and then Dale Earnhardt came in and kind of took over. That it, that was when you know I think Harry was like right in the middle of that that transition. Yeah, Harry was well established when 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 Earnhardt when came Dale in. came in. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, uh, that was a trip to be around, though. He, he really was. He, he lived just little just little on the edge side, though. And but he was also real real fun and would laugh and stuff. He did laugh. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, it was a guy. There was a guy from that I was working with with CBS that said, "Oh, these guys aren't real athletes." Mm-hmm. You know, he said, "Well, it's not like walking through the NFL." I said, "I get it." I said, "But next time you walk by Trace Earnhardt over there, pinch her on the butt." Mm-hmm. When Dale's around, you'll see what an athlete is. Yeah, yeah. Why wow, he was a fireball? Oh hell yeah, hell yeah, he was. Sometimes he was kind of. I remember I was in the garage one time when Rusty Wallace threw a water bottle at him. Really? He just ducked and laughed. 
Really? Yeah. Interesting. Cussed a little. Well, it's a small world. I mean, I remember as a kid, that was a that was a big deal uh, growing up in North Carolina, so forth. So, I grew up eight miles north of the Talladega race car track. That's right. I forget about Talladega. That's where yeah. Darren's at. Yeah, and Darren, Darren's well, his house probably five miles from it. Yeah, he's not far. In at a all. different direction than where I'm. Yeah, because we uh, we interviewed that kid, that NASCAR kid, Red Holmes. Red Holmes. Red Holmes. He's he's pretty good. Yes. Red Holmes. Yes. No, he he could be a big one. I think maybe. I think he's going to be. From what I understand. I think he's going to be. Gary, I know we've been talking a lot about a lot of other things. What's going on in comedy right now for you? For me, oh, I just got some. I got some. I'm, I'm on the still on tour with Southern Mama. That's the biggest thing in my Southern comedy. Mama. Now that's right. Like a corporate marijuana show on the on the tenth in front of, and then I'll be up for the eleventh when you're gonna be at Gastonia at the baseball park. I love doing baseball parks. Yeah, brings a couple of things I love together, which is comedy and and baseball. Mm-hmm. And then I I'm featuring for for Tough Kristen Tough Scott. I get to be her feature, and I think that's a 26 here in uh, back here in Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. And where's the family? Where's Kirby? Kirby has a dog. Kirby takes care of his puppy and plays his guitar. Yeah. Uh, Caleb's with uh, with the Braves, and I'm hoping they get at least a run at the World Series. Not looking, they got swept by the Dodgers this weekend, so that's not good. Uh, but they still got a two game lead as of today. They got a two game lead in uh, in the National League uh, East. You know, I'm just, for people who don't know, my son's a clubhouse manager for the Atlanta Braves. I really, really couldn't be prouder. Uh, and Kirby, I love him to death. He's the hardest working man that ain't in show business. Kind of like James Brown, you know. <laughs> Talking about Caleb, right? Working for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Well, does he bring you down there at all? Father's Day. Father's Day, I got to go. Uh, he did? And he got, me a, he got me a signed baseball from Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. Which I always been a even when I was a little boy, a big Dodgers fan. So he got that for me for Father's Day and brought me to the game. So that was great. Oh, and he's I, he, we don't see him. We don't see him when it's baseball season. He's you know he's involved in his work. Mm-hmm. And he calls his he's a good boy. He calls his mama. He does call his mama. Yeah, yeah. He sent me a text this morning with a song he wanted me to listen to. So that's good. And what's his day to day like? Caleb's day to day. I I mean I really don't know because I know he goes in early because he, he's responsible for for getting the uniforms washed and and hung up and everything. And if a player needs something, you know, in particular for for that day, he's you know he figures out where to get it and get it delivered over there and that sort of thing. So that's all kind of fun. Hey, and it gets me some really cool t shirts sometimes. Really? Yeah, I, I got an official T-shirt and a, and a hoodie from the Braves. Yeah, so if I wanted to go out and impersonate a player sometime, you know. I... Now, who still owns that team? Who owns the Braves still? Is it, uh, it's not Turner, is it? Well, he's dead. Yeah, I know that. But like, is this corporation or? I'm. I would imagine it's a corporation. I don't. I. I. I, I never hear anything. On, I, I really don't know. Interesting. I really don't know. Uh, I. I don't know. It's more of a. It's more of a corporate thing than it is a. Whatever Ted Turner's whim is, Kimmy's back in school with the uh, with the children, and who knows how the, where this whole COVID thing is gonna. Uh, I know she hates being at home and and virtual teaching. Yeah, and you know I remember reading something that's been several years ago where the they tested the most germy surfaces in you know in America, and a 
the kindergarten teacher's desk was right up there on on top with one of the most germ-filled places, you know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but she's a, she's a cleaner. She's clean free. Yeah. Well, the family's good. Kirby's home working. Caleb's working for the Braves. Mama's teaching. Yep. It's all good, huh? Yeah, and I'm hanging out over to Bang Productions. Bang Studios right, right here. Right, right here. And I said, I told you we got that sign. We can change this sign out. Bang Live. Huh? Right? They can be the Bang Live where you could do your own show here. All right. We we want to do lives with the Bang Live thing, but we and also got that with a thought of somebody doing other shows. Okay, in the Bang Live studio. Okay, maybe I could go get my old neighbors to come over, and I'll sit here and we'll talk about old times or something. Well, look for Gary across the country, Southern Mom and them comedy tour. A lot in the Atlanta area, a lot in the uh, Florida area. Where else you go? Well, North Carolina area, Tennessee, Tennessee, a lot in uh, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. And this is outside of Southern Mama, so if you see his name, yeah, Gary, comedian yeah. Gary Cargill, go check him out. Yeah, I do other stuff, but, man, I love going out with Southern Mama and them, so that's family right there. Yeah, we've but, been doing it a long time. We've been doing Southern Mama a long time. Yep. How long? Five years? Five. Over five. We just, I think, well, this is August. If August has passed, that would have been five years, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, Our so. first show was July 28th. Okay, so. 2016. So, so it's about five years in the month. Mm-hmm. And today's, you know, so yeah, I do that thing that started my show. But I mean, how many years I've been married? Yeah, you know, thirty-three years, nine months, and two days. Because we got married on New Year's Eve, so I just however many years, and then you just do the date. So there, there you go. So I, I don't really sit around and count the days. But cool, cool. Well, I hope somebody got something out of this and some information. Y'all can fact check. Yeah. Everything needed fact check, but I think we were in line with a few things, maybe a couple things we maybe didn't hit exactly right. But I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the Unimpressed podcast. It's comedian Gary Cargill. I'm John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bang Productions. Bang! I like that. That's old. Uh, old uh, hell, but it was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Bang! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.